Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot of these big companies that we now know that are in the 200 that have come from the microcap space, I mean, they've really been funded and built on the capital provided by retail, Australian retail investors, you know, mums and dads through SMSFs in more recent times, but through their share trading accounts, uh, you know, in the early days. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Mark Tobin, the founder of Coffee Microcaps. G'day, Mark. Hey, Phil. How are you? So, Mark is an analyst who focuses on the small end of the ASX. It's a part of the market that doesn't receive a lot of attention. It carries a lot of risk and rewards. Mark's been passionate about finding undiscovered microcap stocks ever since he began his career as an equity analyst in Sydney. So, Mark, what's your definition of a microcap? Yeah, I guess... um my definition is kind of anything under that 300 million market cap, which I've kind of taken over from the US market. The US market, you know, that's the very hard and fast level that they use for defining microcaps. Whereas, you know, some of your audience, if they start researching it, I find in Australia the definition um, varies from person to person, from fund manager to fund manager. You know, some will say it's the same as me like under 300 million others will push up the market capitalization a bit to 500 million other fund managers will say you know it's really anything outside of the asx 200 so for me it's those stocks under 300 million and kind of anything up from let's say 10 million market cap yeah okay but you focus on particular kinds of stocks don't you it's not um, a lot of this sector is uh, like junior miners and biotech companies um, that's not where your area of interest is no I tend to look outside those names I mean microcaps are kind of under researched in in any event but just because there are a lot of junior miners in the microcap end of the market and biotech which kind of encompass it gets kind of put in under technology as well um, there's quite a lot of those names down there so obviously they garner a lot of attention i focus on what i call industrial microcaps so it's basically anything outside of those two sectors so that could be you know technology companies as we would know them but small media companies um small engineering products, industrial products companies, small telecoms companies, small financial services companies. Those are the ones I think that, you know, don't really get a lot of airtime or a lot of interest in the market. There's not really that many platforms for them to showcase their story and what they're about. And I mean, mainstream media, whether it's, unless it's some junior miner or biotech that's up four or 500% on the day, and that's just will be a snippet is somewhere in the AFR or you know the business section of the age. You know, they don't really get mainstream coverage full stop. Um, I find it's more you know they're more focused the media guys on you know what's happening with CSL or 
the banks or Fortescue, you know, the really the really big names. All, all the of the big end. all of the big names and everything. Yeah, all yeah, the big names yeah. that you know at the top end the top end of the index. We should explain at this point that um, you weren't actually born in Australia and you're not even in Australia at the moment, are you? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a kind of... Uh, it's, quite, it's quite obvious. <laughs> kind of convoluted uh, story of how I came to focus on uh, Australian microcaps. Yeah, so uh, born, bred, grew up in uh, Ireland. It was 2007 I came to Australia for the first time. Actually got a job in Sydney working for Ellerston Capital, which most people would know as the kind of funds management arm of the Packer family. Went to London September 2008, trying to get a job in finance, which you can imagine was <laughs> was difficult. But uh, anyway, managed to get a job, worked at a couple of hedge funds in London mm-hmm. for about a year and a half. Uh, so yeah, came back to Australia and got a job working with Jeff Wilson and the team at Wilson Asset Management in Sydney. Then, um, yeah, married a South African girl, and that's how I've ended up back here in South Africa. But I've been doing various bits of analyst work, consulting work, writing yep. articles um, for Livewire, Shares Cafe, mm-hmm. a few of the, a few resources online that some of your listeners might use yep. um, over the last couple of years on microcaps. And in the start of 2019, I was getting more and more frustrated. There was no outlets for, I guess, the microcap companies that I look at. So I decided, well, I'm going to start my own conference. So that's what I did. When we were talking before, you were saying um, that you're more of an event manager these days. And so that's your role. That's how you see your role now as publicizing yeah. these kind of companies that are not getting that much coverage or attention. Yeah, I say it's more of my role because, um, yeah, I, I vastly underestimate how much work goes into an event before I start. <laughs> um, like like a lot of things in life, you think, oh, no, this, this, this can't be that's too really hard. That's really easy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> can, can, yeah, exactly. Can't be too much to it. Yeah. And just the response from people from the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of planned, oh, maybe I'll do like one a year. And then people were like, you know, when's the next one happening? You know, lots of people after the event in April asked me when the next one was. And I was like, I can't wait a year to do another one. And so I said, let's let's do one in October. So I did one in October 2019. And I was supposed to do another one 26th of March in Sydney again. But uh, coronavirus... Um, events intervened. Yeah, events intervened. The other bulk of my time is, you know, researching these companies to find ones I think would be interesting for my audience to hear, that my audience would be interested in, because um, I'm trying to add value to them. I, I like say to myself, you know, I, I try and get the audience to come away from the day with two, out, we have 12 companies present, so I try and get two companies out of the 12, if you can come away from the day with that, saying, you know, those looked interesting, you know, when I go back home, I'm going to do a bit more work on those or try and find some research on them or ask my broker or financial advisor about them. You know, that's what I'm trying to achieve for most people. If they can come away with two good ideas, two good stocks, 
that you know potentially might end up in their portfolio. I think it's been a worthwhile exercise for the attendees. One of the big differences between these companies and a, a large listed company on the ASX is the um, is the ownership. Um, larger businesses obviously have the big fund managers and the institutions and ETF providers owning the owning them, but um, the smaller companies are much more what they call the retail end of the market, aren't they? They're more mums and dads and smaller investors that get interested in these companies retail investors mums and dads are like the bedrock of um micro cap uh, investors and providing capital to micro cap companies to try and grow um in australia without, without a doubt and i guess the easy way to see that is um if you you know take out the annual report of CSL, for example, and at the very, very back of the annual report, they have to list who their top 20 shareholders are. And most of the time, you can look down there and it'll be, you know, the big ETF guys for these days anyway. So it'll be like BlackRock, Vanguard, you know, then it'll be like the big fund managers probably in Australia. So you'll have Pendle, Perpetual, those types of names, maybe some of the big international funds over the US. Uh, but if you take any microcap uh, annual report and you go to the back of that and look for the top 20 shareholders, you'll find a lot of the senior management and the board will probably be in the top 20. But then you'll see a, the rest of it is, apart from maybe one or two fund managers who might be in there, uh, you'll find a lot of mums and dads, like a lot of, you know, Joe Mascatello and family SMSF in there, you know, <laughs> Mark Tobin and Lee Tobin SMSF in there, or, you know, some little PTY investment company that they have is in there. It's a very interesting contrast when you, when you, if you get the two of them printed out and put them down your desk and look at, look at the differences. It's a totally different shareholding base. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these big companies that we now know that are in the 200 that have come from the micro cap space, I mean, they've really been, funded and built on the capital provided by retail Australian retail investors, you know, mums and dads through SMSFs in more recent times, but through their share trading accounts, uh, you know, in the early days. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you often think of mum and dad investors and SMSF um, uh, investors. You think of them being quite conservative and, you know, you often hear of them wanting dividends and they're only investing in the banks and so forth. But um, it's interesting, isn't it, that there's quite a bit of passion for being behind innovation in Australia. I mean, when I used to work at Wilson Asset Management, um, just to give you a couple of insights into the mindset of these investors, because we ran list investment company vehicles there, you know, we had AGMs the same as any other company. Talking to those investors, a lot, you know, the typical profile, you know, a lot of people there probably over the age of 60. So you would think they'd be quite conservative, but they love a growth story. They like something that's kind of growing and moving forward. But I had a, I think we were down in Melbourne, I was talking to some gentleman and, uh, we always used to pick out one or two stocks from the portfolio that we thought, you know, like were interesting or whatever. And um, he came up to me after the presentation and uh, he said, oh, no, I know you gave me the, the two stories in the presentation, but, you know, I want something like, you know, a bit more risky, a bit more excitement. And I said, well, you know, th- you know, that's not really kind of, you know, what we do. We're trying to look for, you know, kind of more steady stay companies. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know as long, how much long I've got left, you know, I need a bit of excitement. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> you know, it, it. So you, I guess, yeah, you got to be careful about how you think think about this. Can you buy people. a Ferrari? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, th- I think you got to be careful about this group of people. You know, they've got a, a wealth of life experience, and you know, mm-hmm. depending on what they've done throughout their careers or their, you know, their own business life, you know, they probably have a wealth of business experience as well. So yep. they can also do a fair bit of sense checking and analysis on companies uh, themselves maybe it's the the Aussie battler mindset I guess you know it's like these small companies and you know they're trying to make it or maybe they're trying to disrupt you know one of the big incumbents um, whether that's on the ASX or in the in the industry that they're in more broadly whether they like the risk taking or they you know they want to support something small that are and they're or they're looking for something that can grow and develop and you know, it might be a business that their son or daughter works in. You know, it might be a business in Melbourne that they know. You know, the head office is down the road. Um, you know, because a lot of these businesses, they're not um, in skyscrapers in, uh, off Collins Street or Macquarie Street or Eagle Street, depending on which day capital you're in. You know, they're generally out in kind of neighbourhood office blocks, most of them. Okay, you've started investing in the share market. Now, how do you track trades, dividends, distributions and franking credits and all those other goodies? Throw away those clunky spreadsheets with ShareSite. I have my portfolio on ShareSite and everything is automatically recorded. ShareSite are pleased to extend a special offer to listeners of this podcast. Two months free on an annual premium plan. Go to ShareSite.com forward slash shares for beginners and sign up now for a seven day free trial. That's ShareSite.com slash shares for beginners. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And that's um, that's one of the other interesting um, characteristics of these kind of firms is that you have a great deal of access to management as well, much more than the bigger end of town. Oh, definitely. I mean, a lot of management, I find they're like very approachable. They, they, one, they understand their shareholder base. They understand there's a lot of retail investors in there. If you drop an email to the CEO, because a lot of them, you know, they print their phone number, email address, you know, at the end of most ASX announcements. Again, I mean, <laughs> that would never happen in an ASX top 20 name. You know, you, yep. they'll have an entire investor relations team mm-hmm. internally just to manage shareholder queries. And so, you know, the only time you'll see the CEO is at the AGM. And I know some of them do hang around after the AGM is done. You, you might get a quick chat to them for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas on the flip side with microcaps, you know, if you email the CEO more than more likely than not, they'll probably email them back. They'll probably email you back themselves. You know, I think it's a big benefit talking to senior management. To, you know, if you send them a long list of questions and they come back or they do a quick phone call to you because, 
you know the numbers are one thing whether what they release to the to the ASX, but it's getting context around those numbers that um you know really makes a difference. So you know if you see a headline flash up for xyz company down you know profits down 25 percent year on year think oh my god that's like a terrible result but that might just be that you know one major project that was supposed to start in april has now been pushed to july and actually they've upgraded the scope of work and it's going to be you know 25 percent bigger than it was so you know if you look into next year it's actually a win for them the, the slight delay has meant the the actual full contract has got bigger having that interaction with management gives you a lot of context on the numbers like from year to year and also context of where they're going in terms of the broader strategy there isn't an, an index isn't there there's a small cap index on the asx i was actually i was having yeah. a look on the comsec site to find out what that code is is there a code that you can look up this uh, index for yeah well there's actually two indexes to look at mm-hmm. um, so there is the small ordinaries index yeah which um, Do you have the code for it? Would be, I think it's XSO is the code. So that's used by, I guess, a lot of the like kind of small cap managers um, mm-hmm. and even micro cap managers, strangely enough, uh, right across. That's probably the one that most people, definitely in the institution space, w- would use and be familiar with. Yep. Uh, then there's another, there is actually an ASX microcap index, which is the one that I look at, and that's the ASX Emerging Companies Index. Mm-hmm. Um, and the code for that one I know is XEC. Right. Yep. And yeah, I've been doing some analysis on the index over the last uh, two months with everything that's happened with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just to give you an idea of the volatility in microcaps, March. Uh, 2020 was actually the worst ever month for the index since the index started, which was in January 2004, uh, and it you know far surpassed the the worst month in the GSC, which was October 2008. And now we just finished April last week, and uh, April 2020 was the best ever month <laughs> for the index by a long way. Yeah. So yeah, both on the downside of March it was like the worst ever month by a long shot, and April then was the best ever month by a long shot on the way up. So yeah, if you want volatility, come come to the ASX microcap index, and even within the worst month, just to give you some further insight. So in in March, you know, we had you know crazy up days and crazy down days. Obviously, more down days than up, but one of the up days towards the end of March was actually the biggest single day gain for the index since it started. But that's the that's the kind of I guess market that we're in at the minute. Extreme measures are obviously being put in place globally from a health perspective and a social perspective and a business perspective. And you know that has been you know the share market is a mirror of the economy, society in general and you know that's been mirrored in the moves we're seeing in share prices and index bought in Australia and and globally. That's an interesting thing about this sector, though, is because um, it doesn't have the same amount of liquidity as um, the larger capitalised uh, companies. So it's actually a smaller amount of money moving in and out of the system. And I've heard you speaking about price discovery. Can you just give us a bit of context about what price discovery is and how liquidity actually affects that? Yeah, so price discovery, I mean, it's where 
you know, buyers and sellers meet every day and, you know, every trade is a price discovery in itself because the buyer thinks he's got, you know, it correctly priced and the seller thinks they've got it correctly priced. Um, and, you know, you end up at the share price that they, that they agree on. Now, if you've got a low liquidity stock, that means you haven't got that many buyers and you haven't got that many sellers. So the opportunities or the frequency of price discovery is you know much reduced in the micro cap end of the market now at the top end of the market um you know you've got trades going through um i'm sure your listeners have probably read a lot about algorithmic trading and all that uh semi-controversy that's happening at the top end of town and and the etf providers obviously provide huge liquidity at the top end of town so you know price discovery there happens much more frequently and is probably i'd say generates much more kind of accurate results in terms of what the true underlying value of the company is at that present minute reflected in the share price whereas at the smaller end you don't have that frequency of price discovery so you can have a greater i guess probability of things being underpriced obviously and overpriced on the uh, on the other side because you haven't got the quantum of buyers and sellers meeting on a daily basis hourly minutely basis to work out okay what is the kind of fair value stock price of the company at a particular time so that that's another reason i'm attracted to the small end of town is because you have less price discovery happening you've got more chances of something being undervalued by the market purely because there isn't a lot of people focusing on it and a lot of eyes looking on it if I can expand a bit further on that in terms of price discovery for the institutional names, um, Goldman Sachs had a good piece out at um, the end of last year where they were just talking about you know the analyst coverage of this was now in small caps, so you know kind of one level up. So there you're probably talking about market caps, kind of three hundred million up to about one point five billion dollars. Is that that's kind of the market, the, the small cap market cap range? But they were saying you know. Since the GFC, the number of analysts in the sector, this on the sell side, so that's working for, you know, Morgan's, Bells, UBS, Goldman's, Morgan Stanley, all the kind of stockbrokers most people would know. That has now that has decreased, so there's less analysts covering the small cap universe, and even the analysts who are still covering the universe, they're all congregating around the kind of market darling names at the time. So there's a concentration of what they're researching on um, and there's less of them. So you have even more stocks getting neglected. Now that's in the small cap. So in the micro cap end, you can probably uh, assume that there's even less coverage than there was in the GFC. In one way, it's a negative because it's hard to find research and hard to find information on these companies. So you've got to do a lot of work yourself. But on the other hand, you know, that's what creates the opportunities. And I think that's why we've seen the last few years, we've seen quite a number of fund managers launch dedicated microcap funds because I think they have come to the realization that there is a lot of mispricing down there. And if you are willing to do the work, there is the possibility of finding, you know, a good portfolio of companies down there. 
So are these are are these managed funds or LICs or uh, so yeah both both um, mm-hmm. managed funds and LICs. Um, so you know my old house Wilson Asset Management they've got a, a microcap lick now. Safira is a they have both a managed fund and they have a an LIC um, focused on the so you know depending on which vehicle might suit you best you know you can you you can access microcap equities through those guys um perennial started a microcap fund just over three years ago there's four vehicles three managers um that have started things in the last yeah in the last three years and there's others i just can't think of them off the top of my head now we've got a listener question from trevor myers and that is about um where do you find out the information? What, 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 what's your go-to sources for finding out information about these kind of companies? Yeah, so my go-to source, I think, is the ASX announcements page um, because, as I said earlier in the interview, it's quite hard to find uh, these companies and find information on them. So the ASX announcement page is definitely, like, number one. The setup of the page is it has all of the announcements for a particular day. So I just go on there, like, 5 30 in the evening after I finish work and I look down through all of the announcements that have been there for the day and I'll click into ones, you know, share codes that I don't really recognize or ones that I do recognize and, you know, see what they're announcing. And, you know, that's a great way to find new companies to look at because if you take out the ASX 200, there's still another 2,000 companies to, to look at on the ASX. So, I mean, it's impossible for one person or even a even really a small team of people to to keep on top of everything that's happening. The second place I kind of go and look at is a website that was started by an analyst called Andrew Page called Strawman. We've um we actually have we've had Andrew on the on the program as well. He's oh a great, great guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean Strawman to me is 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 a is a really good resource because there's a lot of microcap small cap names on there. And I find the research great analysis as well, isn't there? And the yeah, I find, yeah, exactly. I find the analysis yeah. and the research like yeah. you know of of a really high level. And you know, again, you know, a lot of people who are posting on there are mums and dads, you know, retail investors doing their part time. But you know, they're putting out analysis that is, you know, as good as anything that you will get from sell side analysts, broker analysts, because it's all about collecting information. Uh, and unfortunately, or fortunately for microcaps, you've got to do a lot of legwork to gather all of this information. But I find Strawman a very re- useful resource. And I think it's been a, I'll give kudos to Andrew. I think it's been a great addition to the investor landscape in Australia, especially in the small and micro end, just to provide a platform for resources and research um, that other people can use. The third place I kind of go looking for is on Twitter. You know, a lot of the straw men people I know are also on Twitter, but I find Twitter is like also a good place to find new ideas. You know, people are talking up, you know, what's going well in their portfolio or going terribly in their portfolio. Um, and I, I do take everything that people say on Twitter with a pinch of salt. And there's probably hidden agendas here, mm-hmm. there and everywhere. Got to watch out for that pumping, don't you? Yeah, exactly. But in terms of trying to find ideas and, and things to look at and you know what people are talking about in the market, because you know 
if one person, I guess, tweets about it, then you might see a few others. And, you know, it shows that there's kind of a level of interest. You know, people, you know, it's, it's come on the radar of a couple of people. As well as that people on Twitter might come from the actual industry that this business is operating. So, you know, you might have somebody who's you know, from the engineering business, renewable energy. And, you know, there's a company in there saying their technology is the latest and greatest, da, 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 da. And then you get a guy who's, you know, renewable energy expert or engineer who's like working with installations of, you know, solar panels on a commercial scale daily. And he's like, well, we never use their products. I've never yeah. heard of this company. <laughs> so, you know, that's not really insider information but it's inside industry information which again, it's invaluable get from it's invaluable a, isn't it exactly invaluable okay the other question of trevor's that we might just discuss is about um valuing pre-revenue micro caps oh, pre-revenue very difficult i tend to steer away from pre-revenue companies mm-hmm. for a few reasons one is you know share valuation uh, is a bit of an art in itself when they don't even have the first line in the P&L, uh, so like zero revenue, you know, I think you're really pushing up the the risk factor for one and two, the modeling capability of what you can do and I guess how accurate the results will be at the end. You know, if you have the, the earnings uh, and a track record of earnings, you know, I think that improve probably if they have no revenues um it is more difficult i mean i don't really look at it but one of the ways i think to think about pre-revenue companies is to think about you know the market that they're going into how big is their addressable market so if they manage to commercialize a product you know what is the opportunity for them once they have reached that stage so then you can kind of get a sense well if they were five percent of this market okay well you know what would that translate into in terms of revenues are they operating in an industry with you know strong tailwinds um you definitely don't be i think looking at pre-revenue companies that's got strong industry headwinds against them what i mean by strong industry tailwinds are you know macro themes some of the bigger fund managers uh, to put kind of fancy lexicon on it is um so you know healthcare the aging demographic you know that's a strong tailwind for anybody operating in that space you know the adoption of cloud and remote working you know that's a strong industry it, it it's still going to be there the move to online e-commerce has been around for you know 10 15 years and it's probably going to increase it's had probably even a a, a rapid increase in the last um, month or two is the pie getting bigger for the entire industry rather than is the pie getting smaller for the entire industry? And the other thing with pre-revenue thing is, and it's a guess really, but you have to make some kind of estimation on the time to profitability. Uh, and I think that is key. You know, If they're at this stage now, let's say we go to the biotech guys. You know, from a phase one a trial, you know, the or preclinical. Let's even go one step back to uh, from a preclinical trial to let's say FDA approval with distribution agreements and you know actually selling the drugs to 
um, patients, you know, via doctors or hospitals or if it's a medical device, you know, that's generally I find about a 10-year life cycle. So I think with pre-revenue companies, you have to kind of think of what is the timeline to profitability or at least first revenues and then try and extrapolate back from that, well, how much capital do we think is going to be required to get to that point? Mark, thank you so much for coming on and uh, chatting with me. I've got so many more questions <laughs> that we haven't had time to get through, so I think we'll have to have you on again. Um, yes, we can. Uh, always happy to do a, to do a follow-up. And just, um, I guess, uh, for your listeners, Bill, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, they can very happy to email me at um, markercoffeemicrocaps.com or they can easily find me in on Twitter at um, C Microcaps. So that's capital C and then the word microcaps. Because it's a great end of the market, isn't it? I mean, for me, this is where the passion lies in the market. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been passionate about it since I kind of fell into it at Wilson Asset Management. I mean, they were more, uh, you know, a special small cap manager, but we had a section in the portfolio that was dedicated. We used to have, I think, about 10 micro caps in there that we thought, okay, well, you know, these 10 we think can, you know, really go on and kind of graduate up into the into the small cap end of the market proper. And yeah, I used to love that part of the portfolio. And, you know, because you were talking to companies that... You know, nobody was talking about you. You know, you wouldn't meet other analysts on the street or yeah, yeah. Um, meet them at briefings. You know, we'd be going out to their offices on mm-hmm. a little kind of road trip or, you know, if they were ever in Sydney for something, we'd say, call by the office. You know, we'd love to catch up and chat. And, you know, they were just so interesting because, you know, it was fresh ground that you were covering. There was there, it, it was something new. It's good uh, to... I guess, unearth something before somebody else does. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's also, you're watching people building dreams. No, exactly. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of, that's the other thing with microcaps. Invariably, the CEO um, is the founder. Uh, and, you know, they're, it's their life's work that they're, you know, driving on and building on. And, and it does, it takes, you know, it, it takes a long time, as any of your listeners would probably know, to build a business. Um it, it, it's a lot of the time it, it doesn't happen overnight as i like to say most most small business owners whether it's in your local community or you know companies on the asx they're usually a, a, a 10-year overnight success story <laughs> okay on that note mark thank you very much for joining us okay thanks okay. Phil. bye no worries bye Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. Thanks to Christopher Soulos for music production with that special Greekalicious flavour. Remember, music always flows, even when the money won't. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.